I'm Laura Gentry Williams, and you're listening to Adopting It Forward. Adopting It Forward allows people to share their adoption stories in order to encourage you wherever you are in your adoption marathon, from bystander to runner in training to participant. Enjoy today's story. Hey everyone, welcome back guys. Today's episode is with my sweet friend, Becky Klein. Becky and hubby Mike happen to be parents to our good friends, Emily and Adam, that go to our church. So we've gotten to spend lots of time with them and watch them with their foster kids. These two have been fostering for 16 years and they've fostered 64 children in that time. Becky shares advice on setting up rules of the house and making long-term goals for children before they transition to their forever home. I asked Becky why she and Mike only fostered and never felt to adopt. She had a great answer to that one. So now, please enjoy my conversation with Becky. All right. Welcome, Becky. This is very exciting. Hey, this is a live interview. I'm really excited that you're here. I'm excited too, and a little nervous. <laughs> That's hey, you know what? That's all right. We have this is what's happening right now. You came over a little early with two mm-hmm. of your boys. They are now hopefully swimming happily in the backyard. Happily, <laughs> yes. And then your sweet daughter-in-law, who I love so much, mm-hmm. Emily, is going to come over with her maybe four boys. I don't know, at least three. Uh huh. Probably three. Yeah. So they're little busy bees mm-hmm. and your grandsons. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. I know. You have how many grandchildren? Eight. And one on the way. One on the way. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. so fun. So tell a little bit about yourself and your family. And Okay, my name is Becky Klein. And I think about me, first, I'm a Christian. And I, I say that because I really want to do what God wants for my life. And I strive to do that. And I fail miserably every day. But that's my goal is to be the best Christian I can be, mm. the best person I can be through the Holy Spirit guiding me. I am a wife after that. And my husband and I have been married for 37 years. 37. Wow, 37. you're a little ahead of us. We've been 35. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we're around the same. It gets a little easier. <laughs> and we have five biological kids mm. ranging from 33 to 18 now because our mm. baby just turned 18. Yes. Yeah, so similar ages. Our kids are. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and a Mimi to mm, eight wonderful Mimi. grandbabies. I love oh them. Gosh. You know what my favorite part of being a grandmother is? Mm. You know, I have two and one on the way. And I love the fact that I really don't need to know where they're going to go to school, what sports they're going to play, who their friends are going to be. I don't really need to concern myself with any of those details. Right. Their parents can do that. Exactly. I just say, here is anything you want to eat. Enjoy. (laughs) I always bring like, let's do bubbles. We just Uh play. I don't need to really worry about their, you know, basic future choices. It's it's whatever. That's on their parents. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Their parents can worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the best. It's so much fun. And Nash is two and a half now. And so we have little conversations. Of course, we talk FaceTime most days, but he'll, you know, he'll tell me what he's been doing now and we hang out. 
it's really cute. It's fun. Oh, yeah. It's fun to watch them. It's a blast. The best. And it's yeah. fun to see our kids be parents. I know. Oh, I love that. What a I love blessing. it. I'm so proud. Yes, I'm very proud of my kids Me being too. parents. Big family. Yeah. So when did foster care come into the picture? What was the draw to foster? I've always had a heart for kids when I was little, but I didn't really know it. It's kind of funny because my younger sister, she was the babysitter of the family. People mm. would call her to babysit. Yes. I never did. My sister too. She was super popular babysitter. Yeah. And I was not, Me either. I, I never, it. I was not interested in watching somebody else's kids. And then That's after funny. I had my first kid, I was mm. like, oh my goodness. And I would see on the news back then people abandoned their kids. That's mm. why they did the safe place. Thing. Yes. And all of these abandoned kids were coming up and I thought, just bring them to me mm. and I'll take care of them. And that kind of ignited it. But a friend of mine, out of the blue, really, I was talking to a friend of mine one day after I moved to where we live now. And she said, we're going to go to foster care classes. And I was like, what's that? Mm. Like, I really had no knowledge. So how many children did you have at that point? We had five. So when we started, Nathan was like a little under two years old. Okay. So yes. small. So we had five. Anyway, my friend called me. She said they were going to foster care classes. So I was questioning her and she said, why don't you come with us? And I was like, okay. So my husband and I, he was just like, I don't think we had a conversation. I just said, I'm interested in this. So let's go do it. So we went and it was great. So we finished it out. Honestly, going through the classes, it was very intimidating. We had to divulge so much information. Oh In the back of our heads, we're thinking, wait a minute, this is a <laughs> lot. Do we really want to do this? You do. They ask but we all kept kinds them, of things. Oh, Did they yes. come and ask your children as well? They interviewed all of our kids. Yes. Mm. Mm -hmm. And your kids were like, why... I mean, did your kids feel like, wow, this is really, we only had one at home at the time and the social worker interviewed her and asked her all these questions mm -hmm. and we were present for most of it. And I think they go off at one point yeah. and ask her one-on-one -on -one and, and we thought, wow, I hadn't thought about those kind of things that they were asking. Yeah. Like what kind of things do you remember some of the things that were to us, mm -hmm. oh yes, they wanted all of our financial information. Oh, right. They wanted to know what Mike and I's childhood looked like, how we were disciplined, how we were brought up, where we lived, what we did, all about our mm -hmm. siblings. It was a lot of digging and bringing up a lot of memories, mm -hmm. some good, some not so good, but very in-depth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've interviewed a few people who, when this process began, it was kind of healing for the parents as well, because like one person in particular, he didn't even realize he needed some counseling before wow. he could begin. He had mm -hmm. some things that were way back that he had kind of suppressed. Once yeah. it was started, they started asking these kind of questions. I don't even know if it was during the questioning process or if it was during the training. Mm -hmm. But as he watched some of that, he was like, oh, these yeah. are some things that I probably need to address. Yeah, it was shocking. It was a lot of information. And I remember going through the trainings and thinking, does this really happen? to these kids. It was a whole other world. I was a very trusting and I still am. I'm very trusting, very gullible, naive about a lot of things. Mm. So when we started through the trainings and all of the stories that we heard, it was shocking to me. Mm. I didn't know anything about drugs. I really didn't. I just lived a sheltered life and it right. was eye-opening. Mm. It really was. And that was 
how many years ago? That was 16 years ago. 16 years ago. And at the time when you opened your heart up to that, did you feel your heart even more broken for what some of these children? I think that's what ignited me to go on. To continue with the process? Yeah, Mm. I think so. I'm a public school teacher, so I hear these stories a lot, and it always amazes me what kids have endured, mm-hmm. and they don't know that that's not normal Right. a lot of times. They've been exposed to so many things. Yeah, unfortunately. So now you have come through a lot. I'm sure you've heard so many stories and, and had to navigate some of that with your kids. Do yes. you feel like... Now that you're on the other side of things, did that change the way you raised your own biological children as you went? I think in some ways it did. It helped in so many ways just for my kids to see how fortunate they were not to go through stuff like that, a lot of stuff like that. And just to be thankful, honestly, we have a family dinner. When we eat dinner, we sit down as a family and just that... Mm. A lot of kids have no idea. Mm. I mean, a lot of kids in foster care are abused, neglected, and don't have food to eat. Mm. So when you have a whole family sitting down at the dinner table together every night, you know, you take it for granted. Wow. So you did that with your kids the whole time when they were growing up. Like how many nights a week would you say that you would do that? Seven. Yes. Seven we nights did every a week. night. Yes. Mm. We sat at the dining room table and had dinner together. So what if there were sports or other activities? Oh, wow. How would you yeah. make that happen? <sighs> You're right. Okay. Football, for one thing. <laughs> if we, is, you, have, you have four boys, right? We have four, four boys. Four out of five children. Uh, three of them played football all through their childhood. Mm. And so we're talking Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday. Right. So in those cases for the fall, when we were at football, you're right. We did not sit down and have family dinner. And that was hard, mm. but we still ate, but we didn't, we mm. weren't home. I mean, football was from six to eight every right. night. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was a difficult time. I a lot of us look at those and over. we're like, how do we do, oh, yeah, how man. do we make that happen? You would probably on those nights that you didn't have football, you're like, everyone, I have to do that with my kids. I was like, no, we are sitting down at the table. We only have probably three or four nights a week that we work to make that happen. But we didn't even have to tell our kids. They just knew Mm. it was just that's what we did. We sat down and had dinner together. That's I don't really think good. they ever said, I'm going to go eat in the living room or whatever. I don't think that ever happened. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're at the table. That's what's going to yeah. happen. Unless we had, you know, there were times when we had special picnic night in the living room and I would lay out a blanket and we would, you know, eat in the living room. But that was very rarely. Yeah. Yeah. We do the fun. same thing. My kids get real excited if they can eat, yeah. you know, watch a movie while we yes. have dinner. Like we do that on the weekend sometimes, like Friday night movies or whatever. Yes. That's good. Well, there's been so many studies about how important it is to be around the dinner table. Now, our adopted kids, when they first sit down, we can't talk for a little bit because they're just hungry and yeah. they need to eat right then. And then after everybody's been eating for a little bit, then we have conversations that we probably never have right. unless we're sitting down there and there's, you know, of course, no phones are allowed. And right. we were all trying to focus on each other. And we've been yeah. through sometimes in teenage years, especially early on, it's silent. There's not a lot of talking because they're you know, just being yes. quiet teenagers. Yes, oh, that's true. <laughs> but that's really a great piece of advice is family dinners. That's a great thing. Give us some of your structure that you now you've brought in how many foster kids 
We've had 64 foster kids placed with us for mm. over the last 16 years. Wow. 16 64. years, 64 mm-hmm. children. And you've brought in a notebook mm-hmm. and you have actually documented each one of those children? Yes. So what kind of things yes. do you put in your notebook about them? I put a picture, first of all, of when they first arrive. Within the first week, I get a picture and that's the first thing that goes in their book. I write down when they came into care, a little bit about their story, their birthday, why they came into care. And then when they leave, I put a picture of them before they leave so I can see the difference. Some of them have several pictures and when they left, where they went. And I've done that with all the kids, surprisingly, because I don't usually do stuff like that. I'm not a good record keeper, but... (laughs) It's so good that you started it because once you started it, then it's... Mm -hmm. I feel like that's true about a lot of things. If I can get it started... Yes. Then it's easier to stick with it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if I get behind, like on, you know, kids scrapbooks or things like that, and you get behind, it's a little overwhelming. So that's good advice for foster parents when they're just getting started. And that's not super complicated, right? No, it's not at all. Have you kind of honed that down into like, these are the important things I want in there. A first picture. Right. Exactly. Mm. Their birth date. So I know how old they are now. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And... Have there been kids that you've kept up with through the years? Yes. It is amazing. I love it. Yes, several Mm. I have kept up with. It's amazing to see where they are now. You know, Facebook is a great place to do that. And thankfully, I've had a relationship with some of the adoptive moms Mm. and dads and even biological Mm. that I've been able to keep up with. We went to Six Flags one day and we were walking out and it was pretty busy. Yeah. And walking in was one of my former foster kids. And it was probably two or three years after he left us. And as soon as our eyes connected, he (laughs) said, Miss Becky. And he gave me a big hug. And (laughs) and I said, who are you here with? And he said, my uncle. And he just kind of ran off because he didn't want to get lost in the crowd. But it was so great that, that I saw him there. What a blessing. And so now he is an adult. He's graduated. And so I'm friends with him on Facebook. Mm. And it's really great to look him up and see what he's doing. He's doing great. Wow. Mm -hmm. I love that. So what are some qualities, some basic things that you're like, when a child comes into my home, these are the things that I want them to leave with, Mm. either written down or a list in your head, what would you say? No, I have a list. And in fact, it's required or highly recommended from our foster care agency that we have a list of house rules. Mm. Mine are pretty basic. I jotted them down just so that I wouldn't forget what they are. The first one is be respectful. And that is be respectful to yourself and others. Mm. Let's see, guard your tongue. Don't say anything ugly, or if you do, apologize. You know, be as careful as you can. Mm. Use good hygiene, which is very important. Knock before you're entering a bedroom or a bathroom, and then treat others the way you want to be treated and be the best God wants you to be. Mm. Those are the rules that we have hanging on our house. So that's what we, and I remind them all the time, be respectful. And I think that goes a long way with a lot of different things. Be respectful with your possessions, your clothes, your toys, Mm. your home that you're living in right now. Be respectful to others. Be respectful even outside. You know, I don't like people throwing stuff on the ground. So even that, be respectful in everything. It goes a long way. These are great because your kids that come in, a lot of them, would you say, have not been taught a lot of basic, you know, they their parents were in a bad place, whatever that was. Right. 
for them to get to the point they they came into your home. Absolutely. Most of them have not been taught the basics, Mm. brushing your teeth, taking care of yourself, combing your hair. It all matters. I think we've had to work on that with every foster child that's come into our home. Because your foster children that come in are not usually babies. Do you have kind of an age range that kind of has been your sweet spot? Actually, when we first started, our age range was zero to two. Okay. So we've taken on a lot of babies. And I think the last five years, maybe, we've I've switched that up to foster school-age kids because of our grandbabies, most of all. Right. We have grandbabies, and I want to be able to babysit them and take care of them, and I'm so blessed to be able to do that so that we started doing older kids. Plus, I have an idea in my head that I want to... For years, I was a substitute teacher. Mm. So difficult to find babysitter that will babysit for oh. a substitute teacher because it's spontaneous yeah, it's, sometimes. and never know when that's- it's not a happen. regular job. And so I had to quit substitute teaching. And so I thought if I get school age kids, then I can do that again, which I loved to do that. Mm. So we have school age kids. So I've actually applied to Mansfield ISD this summer to be a substitute oh teacher my next gosh, year. Oh gosh, please. We have, <laughs> this has been the worst. Any teacher who's listening knows how hard this COVID year has been because yeah substitutes have been so difficult to come by. We had one lady, thank goodness, that would sub just for us in PE. She was, Mm -hmm. so we, thank you, Elaine, where if you're (laughs) listening, we love you, but she would substitute for us, but it's very difficult to come by, especially a good caring substitute. So I'm so glad you're getting back into that. That's great. I've been thinking about it for a long time because Mm -hmm. I miss it. And I was at the school one day this past school year Mm -hmm. and a teacher that um, I worked with many times said, I miss seeing you here. And I was like, Oh, and that was just we, confirmation for me. We do. Like, yes, we I'm love you. Get a good substitute, and there's just nothing better because yeah. you can somebody you can trust with your kids. It's yes. hard. That's great. So with school age children, that's a completely different animal mm-hmm. than bringing in babies. And it is. They've all come from hard places, but would you say one is? Well, I mean, I guess they all have their easy and hard spots. What would you say about the differences in, now that you've gone to older kids? Yeah, babies have a soft spot in my heart. I love them. And some of the situations that we were dealt with in taking care of babies was heartbreaking. Mm. Heartbreaking. I remember we had a little girl. Her name was Isabel. And I know that's not her name anymore. Her name is Isabel. And she was a year old, could not walk, could not feed herself, did not want to drink her bottle, just would not do anything. Her eyes were all red and it was so sad. And my heart just broke for her. And the good thing is she was adopted by a family member of hers. And when she left, I remember my daughter, Erin, and I were in the kitchen and she was probably two and a half maybe. And she actually walked to us for the first. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, oh my goodness, thank God I got to see that before she left. And she was thriving. And it just makes me feel so satisfied that I could see her through that. And now she's living with her family and doing great. And I still see pictures of her on Facebook. It's it's great. I love it. That is awesome. But then you you have older kids who are more, it's in their head. And you have to deal with homework issues. And they don't want to do homework because nobody made them do it before. Nobody probably made them do anything. Nobody helped them walk Mm -hmm. them through it. And so you have to sit down and figure it out. And they're going to get mad and they're going to throw a fit. And I've had several do that. But you just have to be patient and you have to make them know 
this is not going away. This is important and we have to get through it no matter what. Mm. So you stick with it and, you know, it'll pass. It usually does. Well, right. Because one of the things that people say, and I've talked about this with several people that I've interviewed, when we step into foster care and adoption, we have this expectation, well, I'm saving this precious person from this terrible situation they were in. Well, a lot of kids... They don't want to be rescued right. from where, because that was normal to them. Right. So then they step into parents who are like, I know you don't believe me, but this is for your own good. Yes. And now we're giving them structure. We're giving them parameters that they really have never, well, they haven't ever had before. Right. So many of them, and they're not appreciative for that. They like their do what Freedom. you want whenever you want to do it right. lifestyle, but it wasn't good for them. And once they finally get past that, things become better for everyone, but especially for them that they get that structure and they get that security from the structure that they really, really need. They don't know that they need it, of course. Right. Of course, that's a great God lesson right there. We don't know what we need, but (laughs) God does. Thank God. Yes. I'm thankful for that. Today's episode is brought to you by The Cookie Barn, Cookies with Purpose. You guys, order some of these cookies. They're so delicious. They have maple chocolate chunk, plain chocolate chip, chocolate cream. Oh my gosh, they're so good. They have the cream in the middle. Delicious. Sea salt butterscotch, or my own personal favorite, oatmeal cinnamon cookies. Delicious. A portion of every order goes to support Encourage One Another, or E1A, a nonprofit whose mission is to support and encourage foster and adoptive families in order to keep families intact and help them thrive. Now, back to our show. So what part do you feel like you've played in your children that you fostered and their adoption stories? First of all, when they come into our home, my husband and I have been faithful to going to church for 35 years. We've been married for 37. So 35 years, we've been faithful to go to church, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm not bragging about that. I'm just saying God has kept us Mm. in the fold for that long. And so I think the biggest thing I give them is God. You know, they go to church, they hear the word preached, they hear it at home. We have a Bible reading every night before they go to bed, mostly every night. There are times when we don't make it home before bedtime. So We do uh, mostly every night we have a Bible reading. We teach them throughout the day, little lessons here and there. And I think the biggest thing I can give them is the word. And Mm -hmm. several have accepted Christ while they're in our care, thankfully. And you just plant the seeds everywhere you can. Even the babies, you know, I I remember Mm -hmm. even with our babies that we've had singing, Jesus loves me. I mean, they're going to get that. They're Mm going to get something out of that. God will use it somehow, some way. Wow. Yeah, that's great. It's true. It Probably a lot of these kids have never been in church in any yeah. way. And for them to get that opportunity and whatever they carry from it, it's in their heart. Right. Wow. You know, the babies are one thing, but the older kids, like they memorize the scripture mm-hmm. and they're proud of it because we make it a thing. <laughs> You know, and they're so proud that they can do that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think of myself and the things that I learned as a child. And of course, like you say, those songs and Mm -hmm. we memorize scripture through singing and all the kind of things. Have you ever considered adopting any of the children that you have fostered? Mm -hmm. 
I have not. And from day one, my intention was never to adopt a child. My family, however, they have suggested there were a couple kids that they thought, oh, mom, you need to adopt that. We need to keep him. And I'm just like in the back of my head. No, we don't. And I always, you know, explain to him, you know, I don't really feel like that God is telling us to do that. And I never felt that way. I always felt like I can help a child get from a bad place to a better place, just stepping stones along the way. I'm just the path that leads them to their forever home, whatever that looks like, and just do it in a safe place, in a safe way. I feel like in a lot of ways, it's a very unselfish thing to say. And the reason I say that is because sometimes even with my friends who have adopted, other parents want to adopt our kids that have been adopted because they're like, oh, you know, everybody Mm -hmm. loves an adoption story. I mean, I do. I love adoption stories, of course. And I think to me, this sounds like a very, it's a very selfless thing to say because you're not saying, well, we're the best place for this Mm, child. That's true. And that's hard to do because we're like, well, is this place going to be okay for this precious baby that I've poured my life into for however long, you know, a year or six months or whatever it is, and to trust that the Lord is putting them where they're supposed to be, and it's not with me. Right. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people probably don't agree with my opinion, but I think the best place for any child would be with their mom and dad. Mm. And if that's not the case, the best other place, you know, but Mm. I think the best place is with their parents. And if that can't happen, then yeah, I just don't feel like that that is what God wanted us to do. Wow. That's why I wanted to interview you because number one, foster parents are such a blessing because So many children are adopted from a foster situation Mm -hmm. and to have a godly family that this child is transitioning to before they go to the forever home, wherever that may be. And it's a safe place. It's it's somewhere that they can look back on. Who knows? But well, I agree. Although foster parents sometimes get a bad rap because of the bad choices that some foster families make. Mm -hmm. I think foster parents kind of seem like the bad guy, especially to the bio parents when Mm -hmm. they think their kids going to foster care, you know, the foster parent is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of a, you know, you have to get past that. But I also, you know, I have heard so many times, oh, I want to adopt him. I I would, I would take him home in a heartbeat. I want to adopt. How do we do that? And, you know, sometimes I just kind of roll my eyes like you just don't get it. You know, you just, and some people have good intentions, but others are just, you know, they don't understand what they're saying. It's a big yes. commitment. It's yes. A, it's a lifetime commitment <laughs> right. to do something like that. So right. I and think it's, gonna... it's kind of funny when I hear people say, oh, I wish I could adopt them. It's kind of like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. because you, well, you've, you've been in this for so long and you've seen, well, you yeah. know how hard it is. It is a blessing, but it's mm-hmm. also not easy. It can be challenging. Definitely. Sure. Sure. And no matter what age the child is. True. So when is the longest that you've had a child? You know, I was telling the one that we have right now, he's the longest. Okay. He is coming up on two years. And yeah, we've had him the longest. I told him the other day that he, how did I say? He made the record. He's... (laughs) He's our record breaker. But he is being adopted soon. Yes. What a blessing. I put him on my Facebook page for prayer. And so there have been so many, I know you have so many people in your life praying for him too, but he is so precious and I'm so thrilled for him that he has found a family. 
have you seen it be harder for older kids to find an adoptive family? Yes, I have. And I think that's why we've had him for so long, because it is more difficult. People are afraid of what Mm -hmm. they're getting into. You know, I've heard a lot of bad stories about older kids that have been adopted. So it scares them. And so there's a lot of interviews. There's a lot of visits to make sure they are comfortable with what they're seeing. And yeah, I think it's a little more difficult for older kids, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. What do you think people are fearful of with older kids? Behavior. Yeah, you said that without hesitation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I've heard a lot of bad stories about older kids for bad behavior, like Mm -hmm. wanting to kill their parents and breaking windows and tearing up walls and tearing the house apart. Sure. But have you seen that with your... I have. Oh, thank God. With your children. I tell people we have been so blessed. I don't know. God has this umbrella over us or something. We have been so blessed to not see any of that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Don't you feel like a lot of times that's more of the exception... I and do. so it makes people it so fearful be. because there'll, there'll be this one case and yes. that word gets around. And I feel like a lot of times those older kids suffer. Who It's not yes. their fault that they're an older child and they're right. in this situation where yeah. their parents have terminated rights. And so this child, sometimes they age out because of the fear. Yeah, I think so. I think it must be because, you know, like I said, we've been doing this for 16 years and I've never come across. We've had some pretty difficult cases, but nothing that you know, we didn't scary push or, through. Yeah, nothing that was scarier. Well, I take that back. There was one, but it didn't last long. So it was okay. And he was a little, little guy, three years old. Oh, wow. So can you tell us a story of an adoption situation that you, you've been a part of most of these kids actually being adopted or they just went to a different foster family or? When we started, I, I told myself, you know, I want to be in it for the long haul. I don't want to get foster kids and then say, oh, we can't handle these guys. You got to put them somewhere else. They go to another foster home. Because I didn't understand when you hear about kids who, oh, they've been in 20 different foster homes. And, and I'm thinking, why? Right. What happened? I've wondered about that. So too. I want to I want to keep them until they go to their forever home. And I think as far as I know, most of the kids we've had have not gone to another foster home. We have had kids that have gone back to their biological home. It didn't work. So now they came back to us. Mm. We've had two different families that that happened to. Thankfully, we were available to take them back. In fact, one of them is in our care now. He went to stay with the biological family. It didn't work out. So now he came back into care after eight months of being gone. Wow. But yeah, I think we started out thinking we're going to keep them until they go to their forever home. We don't want them moved around all the time. Right. What would you say to someone who says, I could never be a foster parent because it would be too hard to do what you've done so many times to be able to let that child go when it's time? Laura, I've heard that so many times. Oh, I could never do that. I could never let them all go. I'd have to adopt all of them. You know, I think it's funny. Uh, because again, they just, they don't get it. I would say, don't do it then. Right. Don't be a foster parent. If you don't think you could do it, don't. And to me, I think that's a selfish way to look at it because we're not in it to just take all the kids and, you know, we're not the best home. Our thought is to just get them to where they need to be. And like I said before, I think kids should be with their biological family. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to get upset every time a child leaves, you're in it for the wrong reason. You want to do what's best for them. And to me, that's kind of selfish, you Mm -hmm. know, 
I'd get so upset. I wouldn't want to let them go. You know, you have to do what's in the best interest of the child. Yes. Not, it's not about you. It's about them. Exactly. No, that's great. I've interviewed multiple foster parents and I love how, I mean, we're all called to different things, Mm -hmm. obviously, but I love the willingness to say, well, the whole point here is what's best for this child. Right. And if it's best for this child to go, I mean, we just have to trust that that's what's best. Mm -hmm. But I think it is a gift to be able to bring them in a child that you don't know and treat them like your own. Do you feel like you do that? Yeah. How does that go? Like when a child comes in and they're in a bad place, how do you do that off the bat? I try to get on their level. I love it. You know, when a foster child leaves my home, for one thing, it is heartbreaking. It can be difficult. Especially when you've had them for a long period of time. And I remember the first time we had a foster child leave, my daughter and I went to meet the family to drop her off and we cried. We sat in the car and cried. Mm. It was very difficult. It's gotten easier through the years because I get it into my head. Okay, this one is leaving, but what life are we going to get to influence next? What's going to happen next? And I always look forward to it. So when they come into my house, I try to put myself on their level and open things up to them, introduce them to everything. And they're, they just come in and, and they just are so curious about everything. (laughs) And we just take it slow and talk about some of the rules, but just keep it lighthearted. And I communicate better with children than I do adults. So it's a little bit easier for me (laughs) to get on their level. I feel like I can get it. Yeah. So I find it easy. I Mm. love it when a new child comes to our home and I can introduce them to things and and really dig in. And I feel like I do treat them like my own. Mm. I love them. They tell me that they love me too. Um, So I hope it goes both ways. Probably if you ask the ones that are in my care now, I know one of them would say (laughs) he's written. I've actually gotten several letters from that are so so sweet. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I know. James used to write me letters all the time. My he kids didn't write too. me letters anymore. I miss yeah. it. <laughs> I do too. He's gotten all big now, but maybe yeah. when he goes off to college, he'll write maybe. letters again. <laughs> That'd be nice. I know. I kept all of them, of course. Mm-hmm. So sweet. So you've given a lot of good advice, but is there any other piece of advice that you would give to someone who is fostering to help them, especially at the beginning? to kind of get the mindset that this is, I'm transitioning, I'm helping, those kind of things. What's something that you would say to them? I think you have to remember that it is only temporary. You know, there's a song that Carrie Underwood put out, Temporary Home. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it just speaks so much to me. This is not, in our case, because we're not adoption motivated, in our case, this is their temporary home. Make it the best you can be for a short period of time and then let them go at the end. We have to. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you don't want to make it traumatic for them either. And I try not to do that. I Mm -hmm. try to build it up. No, that's good advice that you're not saying to them, yes, we want you to stay here, but you have to go there. Exactly. There's, they always know, listen, this is just for a short period of time. You're going to get your forever family. That's our goal. Mm -hmm. Whether it's biological or adoption, whatever it is, you're not staying here. And I'd say that in a better way to them. You know, I don't shut them out, but I make them know, listen, this is just a stepping stone, Hmm. you know. Oh, that's good. So the show's called Adopting It Forward. How have you seen our relationship with Christ, those of us that have been adopted into his family, 
have you seen that played out in your foster situations with your kids? You know, I use that with my kids all the time because some of them don't understand what adoption is. They have no clue what they're getting into. And most caseworkers and agency workers, ours is a Christian-based agency, but they don't explain to them the adoption into God's family. They don't explain it that way. They just do by the book, you know, adoption. Sure. I explain to them, you know, it's kind of like when we're Christians, when we ask Christ into our heart, he adopts us into his family. We're royalty now. And that's what you're going to get. You're going to be adopted into a family and you're going to be part of their family. And it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's a really good thing. And we've seen I'm going to say three or four kids that have come through our home. Most of them have been babies, but the older ones that have accepted Christ mm-hmm. into their lives and been baptized, they understand it a little bit more. And it's mm-hmm. a joy to see that. <laughs> I love that. They get such a picture of that in what yes. the Lord has done for us. It is such a picture. It really is. It is the picture of adoption in our world, what Christ did for us. And I love using that story. Explains so much to them. It does. It's a visual. (laughs) And you know, honestly, it helps them see that I've been adopted. I'm an adult and I've been adopted into God's family. And that's a good thing. You know, adoption has, it's kind of like you're leaving your biological family to be adopted. And it sounds like a bad thing. But once they realize that God did that for us and that I've been adopted into his family, it makes sense that it would be a little bit easier for them to understand. Adoption and of salvation. Yes. Because you're like, it's a hard concept Mm -hmm. for us. We make Mm -hmm. it more complicated than it is. So... Do you have something low-key that you make high-key? You know, Laura, you sent me these questions, and I zipped out every one of them except that last one. And I'm thinking, (laughs) what do I have that's low-key that I make? I don't have any. I'm a very low-key person, so I don't have anything high-key. Like, I don't go to Starbucks. I don't go. I just don't. I'm very low-key. But at your house, do you still do all your dinners? (laughs) Actually, we still have dinner together. Not as much, but I we try to do it every night, but we yeah. don't do it as much. You know, I've been a wife for 37 years and I cooked for a oh, yeah. lot if of you, years. For five kids. And now you, yeah. I'm just like at the end, like I'm getting t- kind of tired of cooking <laughs> I was every talking night. to my friend about that today. Yeah. So when Andrew especially will say, what's for dinner? I'll be like, I don't know. And he'll say, let's have cereal. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's have <laughs> cereal. Like, do That's it. my dream life right I there. Know. Yes, I know. Well, I was talking about it because, you know, of course, I've been the same. I've spread all my parenting out through these years of, and we still have the two kids and just deciding what's for dinner. is just oh, a I hard, know. It's a hard life for me. Yeah. But... I love how you said how important dinner at the table is with Mm -hmm. your kids. Mm -hmm. And I love that that's still something that your kids, even with your bowl of cereal, we're all going to sit down with. (laughs) And we still do that. They'll get, and a a lot of times my husband works like he doesn't even get home usually till six, but sometimes it's after that. So I'll sit down with them at the table and Mm. while they eat and we talk or whatever. But yeah, we still do it at the dining room table Mm. and together. Oh, I appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of us, and especially with little kids, if you're the mom of a baby and you've got this little one that's throwing all their food and you're just like, do we really need to all be here at the same time for this dinner? But it they learn that, yes. that this is when we all connect as a family. Mm-hmm. We may be all going different directions, but at dinner, we're all there together. Right. Yeah, We have a pretty big dining room table, but on Sundays when all the family comes over, it gets kind of busy. 
And it gets kind of loud and kind of crazy. But I love it. Mm, I love it. Because you have your family, all of your kids live close by, right? right? Yes, they do. So they come home and you do a big family. You know, when my kids started getting married and moving out, I said, you know, I don't want to lose this. Um, We have to stay close. So every Sunday, everybody come to dinner. Adam and Emily don't get to come because they have their family time. And now Nick and Aaron, they have kind of weeded out. They live in Grandview. (laughs) So they they don't come as much Mm -hmm. at all. And now Michael and Kaylee got married not long ago and they're expecting a baby. So now they don't come as Mm. much. So it's kind of weeding out. And that's okay with me because they have their own family. I'm not going to stick. In fact, I talked to my daughter a couple of weeks ago and I said, you know, I understand. I think I'm going to quit asking you for coming to dinner because I just feel bad. Like I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> and she said, no, don't stop asking. We still want to come. It's just <laughs> things happen. And right. I was like, it's okay. Mm. They have their family life now. So mm-hmm. I'm good. Oh, yeah. I'm not a stickler for it. I just, <laughs> I just miss seeing them. Right. No, and I we- still do, but. Well, you know, I had a really bossy grandmother. She died just three years ago now, I believe. Mm. But she, we all had laughed about it. She was a bossy grandmother, and she would be like, "I need everybody." We had this, we have this family camp out that we do every year, and it was up to like seventy people. And she oh, was wow. like, "Everyone will be there," and you always laugh because we would <laughs> laugh at her. We were like, "Oh, you know," but. That's how all of the cousins, we all know each other really well because my grandmother was a little bit bossy about certain times. And, you know, we would all laugh about it. But when I was growing up, we would go to the farm. It was three hours away, but we'd go to that farm, you know, like at least every two or three months. My mom was like, well, you know, grandmother will get mad if we don't go. And I have carried that with my family as well. It's like, okay, we don't have to get together all the time, but we're going to make sure that we're all at least a couple times a year or whatever. So those little traditions and being a little bit bossy, sometimes it's not a bad thing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just to keep that family connection. But yeah, I love your dinner table advice. And I feel like a lot of people would say the same thing, that this is important, even when they're teenagers and they're really not up for that as much. It's like, okay. Yeah. I remember I used to have, because my kids, my older two were seven years apart. So they had, you know, one of them was playing high school sports while the other one was in elementary. So I would say Monday nights, we're going to play a game and -hmm. we're going to have dinner together because my younger one, she was like missing out. We were at sports every, you know, all the time. I was like, we used to play games all the time. So those little things, but... Family traditions are important and setting up those and establishing those with our kids so they know. Yes. And we're getting ready to take a trip. And thankfully, uh, this has happened a few times. We've taken foster kids with us to Mm. New York before. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes they go and respite while we're gone. But this year, next week, we're taking our foster kids with us. And I'm so excited that they Mm. get to, they keep telling me, we've never been out of Texas. We've never been anywhere. So they get to take a trip. They get to go on a big trip to New York. And we're very excited about that. That is special. That's neat. I love what you have done and are doing for all Mm. this many foster children. I hadn't known many foster families in the past. I've known some here and there with work and and things like that, but I've enjoyed watching your family and how you've brought in different kids. You know, of course, I know you through my sweet friend, Emily, but Mm -hmm. I love how you and Mike have done with your family and brought all these kids in. 64, that's amazing. But I love how you've blessed these kids in their transition. 
I know a lot of people out there would say, who, especially who have adopted, what a blessing it is to have foster families like your family oh, to you. transition these kids so that when they do bring them into their forever home, that they right. know that they've come from a place where they've been hugged and loved and mm-hmm. cared for, yeah. not just physically, but spiritually as well. You've done so much spiritually for these kids in their transition. So thank you. I honestly give all the glory to God because if it wasn't for him, I, you know, like I said, I was not interested in kids and here, look what God has done. <laughs> I, I and really here you believe have this that, big notebook I know. here of all these precious children. And yeah, I really feel and like that it's our ministry. It is. Yeah, I love is it. a ministry and God bless you for it. I know he has and he will. So. Yes. Absolutely. So thank you so much for sharing this. You're welcome. Thank you, Miss Laura, for having me. It's fun. <laughs> I love this conversation and the selfless way Becky has shared her home and family with all their foster children through the years. I love how she emphasizes dinner at the table every night. <laughs> I couldn't resist looking this up. And studies show that kids who sit down with their families several nights a week make better grades and healthier food choices. I mean, they're just healthier all the way around. This is good impression. I like to hear that, especially as a PE teacher. It's amazing how Becky has a book. She brought it to the house and showed it to me. It was so fun to look at. She has each child, their picture, and a little bit about each child. I know Mike and Becky have made a lasting impression on these kiddos and helped each one prepare for their forever home. To all of you who have been and are foster parents, God bless you guys. Thank you guys for all you do. Until next week, let's all keep adopting it forward. Thank you so much for listening. Can you do me a huge favor? If you're enjoying the adoption stories, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode, which drops every Wednesday. It would also really help if you could leave a positive review. Five stars if you've got them. Do you or someone you know have an adoption story to tell? Please reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or through our website at largeentrywilliams.org. You can also find our show notes there. Today's show was edited by Will Rice. The whole thing was put together by my favorite guy, Stan. The website, largeentrywilliams.org, is managed by Leslie Serrano. Unconditional love and occasional mischief provided by Golden Doodles, Gus and Coach. Thanks again for listening. Let's encourage each other as we are adopting it forward.